Hello guys and welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of Loop Before You Leap. And it's a general news day today where we're going to discuss the top stories from the last couple of weeks of the gaming industry. And here's Bruce to tell you what we're talking about today. Take it away, Bruce. So what we're going to be looking at first is the first trailer has been released for Resident Evil Village. We're also going to be looking at Fallout, the Frontier mod being taken offline days after it's been released. The new Tesla S model with the ability to play games in the car. And Epic Games giving away 750 million free games through 2020. But before we get into them, there's a little bit of bite-sized news for you. So Pokemon Snap now has a release date of April 30th. Sea of Thieves has changed the way the games work. They now are doing seasons just like Fallout 76 with a premium Plunder Pass. Cyberpunk has had another big update, but it doesn't really fix anything. Intel are releasing GPUs and Fortnite is getting a Gangnam-style dance emoji because apparently it's 2012. Because 2012, we've got 20,000 years in the future. Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. When I saw it, I couldn't believe it. I never knew why they didn't capitalize on it, but now they have. And obviously, I'm gonna. I'm so excited to to get that dance emoji. We'll bring it, we'll bring it back. You'll see kids um, doing that down the street. I, I can't wait to, to buy it. And yeah. Anyway, yeah. Onto the real news. <laughs> onto the real news. So first things first. The trailer, the first real trailer, the teaser trailer, has been released for Resident Evil Village, the next game in the franchise from Capcom, the daddy of all zombie games. It goes back some 20-odd years, and we're now on the 10th major installment in the whole franchise. Bruce, let's go into, very quick, a little bit of your history. So, have you played many of the Resident Evil games? I know you've got a certain thing for one of them, but have you played, like, the whole, the whole franchise, or...? I didn't really play two or three when it first came out. You know, I, I gave them a quick go, but back then the controls were so janky, I, c I couldn't get on with them. But I did replay the remastered version of number two, and I'm just waiting to get number three. However, four, five, six, and seven I've all played. Uh, four, five, and six have been completed numerous times. Resident Evil 7 kind of fell by the wayside because it came out along with other stuff that happened at that point for me. So... Do you know what? We're kind of the same. Well, a bit, I think. Like, 4, 5, 6, yes. Um, I replayed the Resident Evil Remake 2 and 3. They were fantastic. I've never played the first one in any way. Um, but there are, you know, there are lots of little miniature ones here and there. Like, Zero, Revelations, Code Veronica, uh, Outbreak. Outbreak was a fantastic Resident Evil game. I loved that. Did you ever play that one on the PlayStation 2? I don't believe so. That was, for me, that was a fantastic, that was the best in the whole franchise. I mean, I loved it. It was one of those where um, you were given, you know, maybe 10 characters to choose from and each character had its own attributes and abilities and equipment and you could play the game differently every single time and it was really, really good fun. Um, but now, obviously, the game has changed somewhat, isn't it? They've gone away from action, an action zombie shooter like Resident Evil 6 where it's run and gun to uh, Resident Evil 7, which was... It was horror, wasn't it? It was much slower, stealthier. You know, you had to be a bit... It was back to the old days where you had to really look at your ammo and stuff, didn't you? Oh, yeah, definitely. You had to make sure that you weren't making a mistake that was going to bite you later on. Yeah. Um, make sure you weren't metaphorically shooting yourself in the foot. And, I mean, unlike Resident Evil 4, it was more puzzly as well. I mean, that was a change coming back because Resident Evil has always had its little puzzles, isn't it? Like, find the keys or match the parts or shoot the gems and all, all these different bits and pieces that you know you don't really think belong in a zombie game but they're always there you know it's true form for resident evil to come back to that five and six they kind of left that a bit and they were more run and gun which 
I'm not going to not appreciate, but I do kind of like the feel, the real horror jump scare feel of the new ones. Have you seen? Have, so have you seen the trailer, Bruce, for Resident Evil Village? I've seen I've seen bits of it. Um, obviously, this week for me in in my real life has been rather busy, so I haven't had chance to deep dive into it like I would like to because like I said Resident Evil is one of these franchises that I, I really enjoy yeah I mean it's um, not they haven't shown a whole lot so from what I gather in the trailer we're still playing as Ethan Winters from the last game Chris Redfield is in the game but it looks like he may have gone rogue or dark and might even be an enemy character in the game but it looks like we're kind of in uh, a Resident Evil 4 kind of style setting so a dark dingy village loaded with 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 ghosts and ghoulies to attack you um and the various bosses that resident evil is so known and famed for and there's a big castle atop a hill watching over this village and it seems that's the end game there's something going on in the castle um and it seems a bit more so with resident evil 7 we kind of stepped away from the traditional zombie stuff they're no longer like shamblers and things like that you've got creatures like de demonic looking things and that's kind of where it looks like this game is going so um it again it's games have to evolve though right yeah they do have to evolve i doubt there'll be demony things um because that would be changing the main point of resident evil which is zombified but it, maybe it's a new type of virus well, well i don't know because the trailer kind of gives away a bit of a van helsing feel to it so there is a guy who has like He's in like a cowboy hat with shades and he has like a massive hammer, like a war hammer. Uh, there's vampires and there's werewolves. So I don't know where it's going. It's kind of like they're trying to just chuck as much as they can together. And it kind of looks like it might be a staged thing. You know, you start down in the bottom of the village against regular old shamblers. And by the time you get to the top, you're fighting the uninhibited forces of evil. You know, I think it really is going to be a massive diverse game. Um, one thing I did want to bring up, it's a, it's a bit of a... It's, it's a more meaningful bit than just talking about games, but we do have to mention this if we're talking about Resident Evil. So a few days ago, uh, a voice actor by the name of Jeanette Maus, who voices um, one of the witch daughters of the Lady uh, Dimitrescu in this game. Um, they look like fantastic characters. They look terrifying. She sadly passed away from cancer. Um, but, you know, we imagine that she is going to live on uh, in what looks to be an incredible performance in Resident Evil. In the trailer, she stands out. The character is designed masterfully and she's a talented actress. So, you know, our thoughts with her family and everything. Um, but, you know, can't wait to play it and experience her performance. So um, I don't, I think it has a date of May, around the end of May or something. And I know I'm going to get this one day one because I absolutely loved Resident Evil 7. I think we played it through. My wife and I, we played it, both played it through uh, and, and massively enjoyed it. So, yeah, we'll be getting that. Is this one you think you're going to pick up, Bruce? Uh, it's definitely a possibility. Like I said, I, I need to go back to Resident Evil 7 first and properly go through it like I would with my other games. But I think if I can get through it by the time it comes out, I'll, de I'll definitely pick it up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't think it was too long, um, but I think it's one of those games where it can be long depending how you play it. You know, if you're going to do all the collectibles, um, unlock all the weapons and solve all the puzzles, then it's going to be a bit longer. But See, but that's uh, that's eight minutes in and counting. Bruce, what's the next thing on the list for the news? <laughs> so the next one, it's a little bit... Well, we're going to get into a little bit of a dark side of the gaming industry. Fallout the Frontier mod expansion has been taken offline days after it's been released, when it's been seven years in the making. It is it's terrible, terrible news, because obviously, obviously, Bruce and I, we are huge, huge fans of Fallout. 
Um, and I've been following the development of this mod for, you know, a couple of years now. And it is something that the fans were so excited for. Some, you know, a team of people had taken, uh, you know, assets and whatnot from Fallout New Vegas. And they'd essentially built an entirely new game called The Frontier. And it had vehicles and it had extra survival aspects to it. It had a full story and side stories and it was dialogue based. And the whole thing, it, was, it wasn't a mod. It was a game. It's unfair to just call it a mod. It was literally a game. Um, and like Bruce said, seven years in development, a whole team of people, they weren't getting paid for this. They were doing this off their own back. They didn't put it out, you know, and charge for it. It was completely free of charge, but it took a dark turn. I think it was three or four days after launch when, um, one of the artists on the dev team was outed as, and this is where it turns dark, um, for want of a better term, a furry pedophile. So he had some extremely uh what word would you say you know suspicious dubious content on a an art profile that he had um and one thing led to another and and that's it it's confirmed that yes we didn't know this stuff about this guy but he is actually he's a deviant you know um and, and that's it it's brought the whole thing down hasn't it bruce it has but the mod was reportedly littered with questionable scenes and red flags Despite it being allegedly a well-polished and accurately created mod that reflected the lore of Fallout quite well and expanded on an already brilliant title, it just, you know, apparently there were bits here and bits there and you look at it and go, mm, that that's a bit close to the bell, as it were. Yeah, so there wasn't, I think the, the mod itself, I haven't played it because admittedly you can now only get it from certain i think if somebody already has it you can get it from them but because it's been taken out of stores and stuff you can't get it yourself um and it was a considerable size so when it comes to hosting as well i think that's a bit of an issue it was you know i think 30 40 gig in size it was a big thing um but you've got these the like you know bruce has pointed out various things in the game where it's a bit questionable some storylines some dialogue choices they're a bit strange there is no we should stress there is no pedophilia in fallout the frontier but it's just that connection and this happens all too often in the gaming industry um not the pedophilia bit but if um if someone does something wrong it impacts the entire product i mean look at um look at the last of us part two okay people didn't agree with abby's character and therefore the entire game gets put into the gets shredded by the gaming industry and before you know it you've got death threats going to and fro there are people who have the, the, the main driving force behind fallout the frontier have stepped back and gone we do not want to be associated with this at all so we're stepping away we're taking it offline we're scrapping it and they've poured hours and hours of their lives into this and because one person has completely screwed everything up the whole team suffer is it a case of you know the uh the witch hunt now you know where people are looking to just blame everyone for something one person did because doesn't that happen so often in the gaming industry Bruce? yeah it happens a lot more than you, you know is seen one thing goes wrong and it just snowballs out of control into another thing so you know say for example um you've got this game and as we've said here one of them has got some questionable tastes the other ones that maybe don't have the questionable taste have thought you know what i don't want to be associated with that i'm stepping right out of this and then another one goes actually i'm going to do what he's doing and then another one and then another one and then another one and by the end of it you've got 
most of the team going, I do not want to be associated with this. I'm That's not coming near my life. The best thing to do is to get rid of it. And it, it does happen all too often, especially when mods are concerned, I think. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, we've discussed many times before the, the length and the breadth and the diversity in mods in games like Fallout and Skyrim and stuff, where people can create whatever they want, and they do. And sometimes that content that they've created is a bit strange. You know, we were talking um, just before the call about some of the stranger mods that you get in fallout 4 some that concern nudity uh over exaggerated feminine characters i don't know how to word it in bpc but you know what i'm trying to say um but you do get this stuff just slips it doesn't even slip through the net i just think people can make whatever they want because there is just no no monitoring of it there's no real standards is there i mean any kid can go online and download these mods, and before you know it, look at back in the day, right? Let's let's jump back a little bit. Do you remember Grand Theft Auto San Andreas? Remember the hot coffee mod? God, barely, yeah. So back in the day, 2007, I think it was, um, someone created a mod for San Andreas, which was quite literally the characters having sexual intercourse, and it was quite graphic, and you just engaged in it in a very immersive way, you know, um, button pressing and such. <laughs> It was it was restricted to PC, obviously, because you couldn't do that kind of thing on PlayStation. I don't know anyone. I have never, ever known anyone who has actually played it, but it was heavily publicized. And, of course, the lawmakers and the media got their hands on it, and there was absolute uproar. Um, this was long before. I mean, look at today. We have full frontal nudity in a game, and it's 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 fine. It's, it's okay. You can do that. Game of Thrones and such. We're in a different world now. But back then... It was the worst thing anyone had ever seen. And it was a mod. Um, and obviously, it now it then led to Grand Theft Auto, although it was already known as an adult game, it led to Grand Theft Auto having that little extra bit attached to it where people were like, um, no, I don't think so. They have like sex in those games. You're definitely not playing them. And this is, this is going to be the thing with Fallout. Are we going to get... Um, you know, the next Fallout mod that gets created, people are going to go, oh, hold on, is there, you know, what kind of content are you guys going to have in this? It's scarred it. It has absolutely scarred it, right? Oh, 100%. And, you know, although it might fade after time, the scar's going to remain. And, like you've said, people are going to look at it next time, say another one comes out, and this, it's a new massive add-on to Fallout 4, for example. People are going to look at it and go, hmm, I don't want to go on there in case. Yeah, because you don't want to be the person that downloads it and then finds it's riddled with the stuff, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. But, I mean, that's enough of the dark stuff. <laughs> because we're not known for that. Let's move on to the to a much more light-hearted piece of news. Bruce, what's the next topic? So, we all know Elon Musk. We all know he's very eccentric. Um, but he has decided that the new Tesla Model S comes equipped with a, the ability to play fully-fledged video games in it. So, it's a car fitted with a gaming PC. Yes. <laughs> so... It's worth establishing straight away that this is like an alleged news point. It's a reported news point. It has not been confirmed by Tesla. And all we've seen are renderings of the what they're calling the ultimate in-car entertainment system. But Elon Musk has confirmed it on Twitter. And we know that he's he's prone to things like that. We know that he he's he's said some strange things in the past, some that have got him in trouble. Uh, and He's he's far from the most plain Jane guy. Um, from the flamethrower stuff to the Cybertruck to um, 
founding an entire organization for a joke. Uh, this is the kind of stuff he comes out with. So he is, he's a modern man. He's a modern guy. He knows, he's hes up, up to date with his memery and his video games. And he knows about all the things that are going on. So could be this is a push for, you know, it's a publicity stunt. Could be he's trying to reach out to the younger younger consumer you know but he said that we're gonna put a gaming rig in the new tesla model s it's gonna have the power of a playstation 5 and you can play the witcher 3 and cyberpunk whatever you want uh whilst the game's gonna the, the pc is gonna be centralized uh it can be played on a screen in the back of the car or a very very capable 22 inch dash display in the front of the car uh, apparently you need a controller to play it and it cannot play whilst the car is moving which makes sense uh, unless you're sitting in the back and if you can find some way to drive the car oh wait you wouldn't need to it's a tether it drives itself oh man magic <laughs> i didn't think about that but there are there are rules to self-driving teslas in that you have to still be in control of the vehicle so you can't like go to sleep or play games so Maybe if, if Tesla cracks the self-driving thing, then they can put a console or a, or a PC in the car that you can actively play whilst driving around. Could you imagine that? So this is something I wanted to talk about, Bruce. How far is too far when it comes to gaming technology? Is this too far? Well, I mean, technically, there no, because at the same time, you know, everything's always evolving, you know, and we see it in movies where they've got self-driving cars and, you know, they're playing on computers, like with those little gloves that bring up on computer, you know, it's very future I'm talking here, but, uh, and we will eventually get to that point. So I guess it's just natural evolution. Yeah, the evolution of technology and all that. I mean, look at what they've done. So people have played Doom on everything. You know, you see these videos coming out. This guy's playing Doom on a calculator. This guy's playing Doom on a on an ATM and, and things like that. You've got, like you say, you've got the gaming gloves and the HoloLens technology and VR and AR. Um, what about those gaming rigs you can get? They're for like driving simulators where the whole thing is held up in the air and it moves around and it bounces around and You've seen those, haven't you? Like where it, you're actually sitting on a chair that moves around upside down and stuff. Have you seen that one? Yeah, actually, there. Speaking of that, there is one in Western Supermare in the UK um, on this F1 version. Very fun. I've been on it multiple times. <laughs> oh, you've actually. <laughs> I think I'd get a little motion sick going on something like oh, that. It's but... so good. The hydraulics on them. It's so good. Like if you break, you proper go forward. Yeah. See, that's the thing. That's the immersive side of it. I think when it comes to the accessible side of things, I mean, look in the last year, we've been talking about things like Amazon Luna and Google Stadia, where you turn on your phone and within minutes you're playing uh, a AAA game, you know. Like I just, I signed up to um, Stadia just yesterday just to get the trial and just see what it's all about. And it looks pretty good. Um, it's not what I thought it was. So Bruce, when I say Stadia to you, what do you think Google Stadia actually is? So, as I was led to believe, uh, and again, I'm probably wrong on this, with it, you can basically play any game you want anywhere you would go, as long as you've got the Wi-Fi. And how do you obtain said games? It's a subscription service, but are you under the impression that you just download them and go? Uh, yeah, I was. well, I was under the influence that you can literally pick your phone, choose a game and start playing because it's all done by their servers. That's yes. what I was led to believe in the beginning. That's what I thought it was, but it turns out it's actually a little different. So I didn't do much research into this before I got it. When you boot up Stadia, it has like a um, a little montage, not a montage, like a, uh, a graphic that shows all these different games. It shows 
uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands or Breakpoint. It shows Assassin's Creed Odyssey. All these like top games. That you're like, wow, I can play them on my phone. That's great. But when you go into it, you get prompted to buy something called Stadia Pro, which is a subscription service. Um, I think it's $6.99 a month. Um, and every month they kind of give you the ability to play certain pro games. You know, this month it's things like uh, Sniper Elite 4 and Hitman 2 and things like that. But the bulk of it, the majority of it, it's just another store. So you go through the store, Red Dead Redemption 2 is £35, Assassin's Creed Odyssey um, is, you know, £25. But you buy them and then you have the ability to stream them to your phone. Not what I thought it was going to be. No, it's it's not what I believe we were led to believe when it first came out. Yeah, so like I, I mean, said, that's... I was led to believe that we were playing it by streaming it to our phone. We were paying the subscription fee to stream it to our phone. Yeah, much like PlayStation Now or um, Xbox Game Pass or something like that. But no, apparently that's not the deal. So that's you know that's an example of gaming becoming more accessible and stuff. You know, people playing stuff on the move. I think it is just a matter of time until you know one day you'll get into. Imagine, imagine this: you get into an Uber, you call Uber, you get an Uber Lux, Uber Exec, whatever the level is for a Tesla. The guy pulls up, gets in. Hello, how you doing? Feel free to connect back there and play some video games. I would take an Uber everywhere. Could you imagine? I could, yeah, to be fair, I could imagine you doing that. Like, you just, oh, I'm just taking Uber. You'd turn up to your destination. You'd be like, no, mate, go on. Just just do another loop. I don't mind. Go on. <laughs> another loop around the block. I'm not finished yet. You've got the air conditioning going. You know, you've got a nice... You've got the, the incredibly sumptuous leather seats of the Tesla Model S, the lengthy, you know, expansive foot room. The, you've got some chilled water on the side and you're just chilling out, being chauffeur-driven, playing some video games. Is there anything better in the world? There's probably better things I mean, in the world than that. Yeah, I mean, there, there probably is. But yeah. For, for the sake of the argument, we'll say yes. That <laughs> is the best thing ever. But I was going to say on the subject of gaming, the whole thing's gaming. So uh, Bruce, what is the last <laughs> topic we have to discuss today? So the last thing we're going to talk about is Epic Games giving away 750 million free games throughout 2020. You don't like Epic Games, do you? <sighs> I had a fallen out of Epic Games. Um... I'm not going to lie, I have taken advantage of some of their free games. What I didn't like about them is they were trying to monopolise on certain games. So when the newest Metro came out, um, you were able to pre-order it through Steam. And at the time I couldn't, so I was like, oh, I'll just get it when it comes out because I'll have the money then. And literally about a month before it came out, it went, oh, it's moved over to Epic Games. It's the only place you can get it. And it's like, what about the people that have Steam? You know, I don't want to have like a hundred different accounts for things. But it's it's one of these things I don't like when it's monopolized. Yeah. Like if it's on a PC, unless it's specific, like say for example, it's a Ubisoft game, it's specifically to Ubisoft. You know, I mean that's understandable. It's their game. But you know, like I said, I did. I'm not going to lie. I did take advantage of some of the free games. So I mean, so did I. I, I I've of a never. On that. I've never paid for anything on the Epic Store because I don't really... I've I've never had to, you know, but I can see the appeal. And obviously, they've kind of taken a mostly negative opinion, like, like your own, and they have turned it around because people associate Epic Games now with free stuff. And they've probably gained tens of millions of customers just from giving away so much free. I mean, almost a billion games in the space of a year given away for free. Now, we do have to explain for the ambiguity and the people out there that don't understand what I mean. I don't mean they gave away one billion individual titles, but collectively, they gave away almost a billion games. 
I don't even think there's even a million games in the history of the world. So, But they gave away a hell of a list. So from December last year to January this year, which is when it kind of ran from. Sorry, no. December 2019 to uh, January of 2021. Uh, so a 12-month period. They gave away titles like, and I have a list, uh, This War of Mine, For Honor, Batman Arkham Collection, Metro 23 Redux, Hello Neighbor, Kingdom Come Deliverance, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, Watch Dogs, Just Cause 4, Grand Theft Auto 5, which was a huge one, uh, Borderlands Handsome Collection, Watch Dogs 2, and most recently Star Wars Battlefront 2. So as the year went on, the games got better. And I think we can all agree that is a hell of a list of games. I think they've probably given away thousands of dollars worth of games over the course of a year, right? Oh, 100%. If not, a lot, lot more. But yeah, what I liked, what I always found quite funny was that there were still people that complained. You, you, They'd say, okay, what are you giving away free this month? Oh, it's a couple of indie games. And people would go, oh, that's terrible. That's rubbish. Why can't they give away better games? Have, haven't you noticed that for years? Even when the first games with gold came out back in like 2014, 15, people have always been ungrateful with this stuff, right? It, it's human nature of being greedy, you know? Oh, that's not good enough. I want something else. Yeah. People always want so, the yeah. biggest, best things for free, and it's it's not really going to work that way. I always like it when it's tactical, you know. So, um, what's an example? Um, oh, when a game comes out... Okay, because I just remember seeing Just Cause on the list. I'll use that. So, Just Cause 4 is set to come out, and they'll give away Just Cause 3 for free. It's very tactical. It's very smart, and I like it. That's the good use of it. But when... I'll admit, I've been one of the people that turns around and goes, oh, that's a terrible offering. You know, I don't even want either of those games. Um, but it's at a point now where I cannot remember the last time I downloaded a free game on Xbox or um, Epic or PlayStation. I just... Well, can you remember the last one you downloaded? Because I don't know. No, no, can I, to be fair. I, to be fair, I get so many games. It, it, it's hard to, like, when you get an extra one, you think, oh, it's just in the... I think the last one I got from Epic, I think was uh, Watch Dogs or Watch Dogs Two. Yeah, because I think they did those in the towards the end of the year ish. I know I have Kingdom Come Deliverance, which I got for free from Epic. Which if no one has, if no one has played that, what a silly thing to say. If uh, if you've not played Kingdom Come Deliverance, it is one of the best and most realistic um, medieval RPGs you'll ever play in your entire life. Have you? Do you know what I'm on about with Kingdom Come Deliverance, Bruce? No. So imagine a game where everything from the characters to the places to the, the storyline, everything is real, right? It's so real. It's I can't even. So there's a there's a there's a there's a region in Prague. Sorry, in Prague in uh, in Czech Republic or Czechia, whatever they call it themselves now um, near Prague. And it's like all these little towns and hamlets and villages and stuff. And that's where you kind of spend the game of the story of Kingdom Come Deliverance. But it is absolutely, it's like laser accurate. Like the paths you walk are absolutely identical to what they are today. Because, you know, it's still, it's mostly untouched in the world and stuff. And you start the game off as this lowly blacksmith's son. And you end up as this, you know, loyal and decorated knight. And the whole thing, so it's got the eating and the drinking aspects. The combat is based on actual, real sword play, medieval sword combat. The moves and everything. You've got, you know, when you get injured and stuff, everything takes a toll on your body and over time. And, and the stories, I cannot tell you, it is so underrated it's unreal if you like that kind of game 
oh my god, you have to play that. And Epic gave it away for free. So I think there's probably a lot more people out there that have played it than I'm actually, you know, making out. So, oh, it's an incredible game. I don't really know where this this kind of turned from bigging up Epic to bigging up Warhorse Games. <laughs> made a fantastic one with, uh, with Kingdom Come Deliverance. But it has taken us very nicely up to the end of the episode. All that's left now is for Bruce to tell us what we're talking about in two weeks' time. So, in two weeks' time is that most wonderful day of Valentine's Day. So, we're going to do a Valentine's Day special. Yeah! Um, <laughs> and we're going to talk about discussing the most memorable and meaningful relationships in video game history, the pairings that we've come to enjoy most over the last 20 years or so. Yes, it's going to be a lovely romantic episode, um, uh, maybe. Um, and we're going to talk about... I mean, off the top of my head, I can't really remember any, but we're going to put some research in and we're going to bring you guys... I think I remember, like, my wife on Skyrim. Uh, we'll bring you guys all of the uh, <laughs> all of the stuff you're dying to hear about the romantic side of gaming. But for now, for today, that's it. So we'll talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. Thanks for stopping by. As always, we appreciate your time. See ya. See ya.